This is America on the Road, winner of the International Automotive Media Conference Gold Medal Award for Radio, and now in its 25th year on the air. Thanks for being with us as we bring you the latest automotive information from around the world. Ford has introduced a very interesting vehicle this week, and we got a chance to see it and play with it a bit. We'll tell you all about the Ford Maverick pickup truck coming up in in this edition of America on the Road. America on the Road is brought to you by Mercury Insurance and drivingtoday.com. If you're looking to save some money, you should switch to Mercury for your auto and home insurance. Californians save an average of $670 with Mercury, so imagine how much you could save. Get a quote today at mercuryinsurance.com. Hi, I'm Jack D. Red. With me is co-host Chris Teague. Chris had an exhausting weekend in Maine, uh, working on his garden and getting eaten by bugs. But I think you've survived it, right, Chris? Yeah, I came out the other side uh, with a nice farmer's tan and some muscle aches, but we're doing well. How about you? I'm hanging in there. I had a drive up to uh, San Luis Obispo and and back on... uh, Saturday, uh, ran into uh, about an hour's worth of totally stopped traffic on the way back. So <laughs> I got back around, you know, 11.30 at night. So that was a lengthy day. But I, I got a chance to uh, drive the Honda Ridgeline pickup truck uh, both directions. So that was interesting. And uh, so a reasonable weekend. And we can chat about that and what we learned uh, in the next segment. This week, our special guest is Todd Eckert. He's Ford Truck Marketing Manager. I sat down with him on Friday to talk with him in depth about the new Maverick pickup truck that's on everybody's lips. Uh, Soon it'll be on the road, but right now it's on people's lips, uh, and we'll talk about that. In the road test segment, tell us a bit about what you will tell us much more about in the next segment, Chris. I spent the week in the uh, 2022 Acura MDX. Yeah, very cool. Well, we have two 22 model of vehicles. I was in the 2022 Nissan Pathfinder. I drove that outside Missoula, Montana recently, and uh, now I'm at liberty to tell you all about it. So we'll do that in the show. But uh, before we do that, let's uh, take a look at what else is going on out there in automotive news. Uh, We're hearing tons about uh, 2022s right now. And there is a uh, revised facelifted Buick Enclave, a midsize SUV. That's, of course, one of the uh, mainstays of the Buick brand. About, I think, something like 80 or 90 percent of Buicks sold now are SUVs, which is kind of fascinating. You know, that was a, a brand that you thought of when you thought of big American sedans uh, and maybe even station wagons, but now SUV is their thing. And uh, they have um, increased the comfort of the interior of the Enclave. That's really what the Enclave is all about. They have gone to wireless Apple CarPlay and Android Auto in their infotainment system. And there is a color head-up display available. What's your take on head-up displays, Chris? I'm going to talk a little bit about it in the next segment, but I'm a big fan. Uh, I just wish there were a little bit different operation with polarized sunglasses can be very difficult to see and that's no fault of the display but uh without their weaknesses they're great i think they're they're a good way to reduce uh distraction yes i I like that too and i i think we are in agreement on that really this is a a facelift uh with the enclave it uh, the avenir trim uh they, they kind of have separated that out. I think Buick uh, has seen the success. They are teamed, of course, with GMC. And they have seen the success of the the Denali line lineups, uh, you know, the upscale Denali version of uh, every GMC product. So they have gone to this Avenir thing on the Buick side to try to capture some of that magic, and I think largely they have. They have upscale mechanical stuff within the Avenirs, adaptive cruise control with enhanced automatic emergency braking and uh, they also have uh, continuously damping uh, continuous damping control active suspension technology so that's nice in the avenir and uh, heated and massaging seats so i don't think uh, not really startling stuff from the 2022 uh, buick enclave but uh, interesting stuff nonetheless I agree. I think the Avenirs are really interesting, uh, just as a step up from normal, quote-unquote, Buick quality, which is already pretty good, but the interiors of those vehicles are just really beautiful. Yeah, absolutely true, and I think that's why they score with people, and uh, that's why it's one of the mainstays of uh, the brand. Uh, Well, I I put together a piece on the best car buys in June, and I thought I'd uh, run down some of them for you. 
one of the best vehicle buys out there uh, is the 2021 Chevrolet Equinox, or Equinox, depending on how you want to pronounce it. I think they don't care how you pronounce it as long as you buy it from Chevrolet. It is the subject of 0% interest financing for as long as 72 months. So using somebody else's money for 72 months uh, strikes me as a, a pretty good deal. The other side of the coin, though, is you can get 10% of the MSRP in cash back. That could be savings of uh, three grand or so. So that strikes me as a pretty good deal. Another good deal is the 2022, yes, I said 2022 Kia Sportage. It's, it's rare that you see great deals on vehicles right as they're introduced for a new model year, but uh, this is happening with the Sportage. Um, it has 0% financing for 60 months. If I'm doing my math correctly, that's five years. You could also get $2,500 in customer cash and then finance it yourself. So you might find a low interest rate loan and then have that uh, $2,500 in customer cash uh, in your pocket. To may, that might be a better deal for you. And here's another one that I think is a pretty good deal. I think uh, you might agree with me on this, Chris. It is the 2021 Honda Pilot. Its 0% zero fi uh, fi uh, financing deal is for 48 months, but they have low interest rate uh, financing, 1.9 for up to 72 months. Or you could lease it for $309 a month for 36 months with uh, about $3,300 due at signing. What are your take on any of those deals? you think they're pretty good ones? Well, I think the Sportage is a great pick, especially for the 22, although it didn't get a ton of updates over 21, but it was already a pretty solid option. As you mentioned, the, the Pilot, I think, is a great choice, too, although I would be cautious of those lease deals. Uh, some of the ones that I've written about recently were quite low on the mileage, so if you're buying one or leasing one specifically for a road trip vehicle, you might want to watch your annual mileage, uh, lest you end up paying hefty penalties at the end of your lease. Yeah, I'm always leery to uh, identify leases as particularly good deals. I think they can be good deals for the right person, but I think for the average person, they're not necessarily great deals, even if the monthly payment seems low. Uh, and as you say, there are some uh, potential traps in there if you're not paying attention. Of course, we <laughs> encourage you to pay attention uh, to the number of miles you are signing up for each year. Uh, that is important. Uh, but uh, I think overall, uh, uh, some pretty good deals here. The, the deals, and I've been tracking deals for quite some time now, are not what they were six months ago, uh, which indicates that the economy is getting better. It's not necessarily great for consumers right now, but uh, I, that's the situation we're in. I guess we're happy that the economy is opening up and, and getting much better. We're not so happy about the fact that uh, the incentives on, on new vehicles are not as good. Yeah, you recall just, you said six or seven months ago, we were ogling at the number of 0% for seven, eight-year loans that were on the market. So uh, interesting to see how that's changed. Yeah, and uh, as you track it, it's, it's interesting to see how it changes, and it changes pretty much every month. Most of these deals will be good through the 4th of July weekend. So if you saw something there that tantalized you, uh, you might think about uh, pursuing that a little bit. Well, when we come back, we will be doing our road test segment, uh, Chris Teague's favorite segment of America on the Road. He's going to be taking a look at the 2022 Acura MDX. I will take a gander at the all-new 2022 Nissan Pathfinder. So if you like uh, multiple passenger vehicles, we're your ticket. Thanks so much for being with us right here on America on the Road. Welcome back, everybody, to America on the Road with Christine Jackie back with you. And we're so glad you're with us. We appreciate you listening to America on the Road. We appreciate that very much. And Chris, you were driving a, a vehicle that I think in some ways is undersung, the Acura MDX. It's a, a mainstay vehicle, certainly for that brand. Uh, tell us a bit about the 2022 version. It is a little undersung, and I think it's unfortunate because it's it's quite a nice vehicle, especially for families. So as you mentioned, the 2022 Acura MDX. Uh, Acura did skip the 2021 model year with the MDX. Uh, they went straight from 2020 to 2021. But what that did do for them, at least, is a complete overhaul of the of the vehicle. So uh, they skipped 21. The new 22 carries the same engine as the 2020. So it's got a 3.5 liter V6. It's producing 290 horsepower. Uh, but it's now got a 10-speed automatic transmission instead of the 9-speed that it had before. 
Uh, I tested the all-wheel drive advanced model, which is, uh, if not the most expensive, almost the most expensive version. Uh, so I had full leather interior, heated and cooled seats, uh, third row seating, all-wheel drive, as I mentioned before, uh, and in a really beautiful dark red, deep red color. Uh, and I'm not a big fan of red, but uh, I got to say it was a really great color that, that Acura came up with there. Uh, but this vehicle has a full suite of uh, advanced driver aids, so it had emergency, uh, automatic emergency braking, if I can talk, uh, advanced cruise control, blind spot monitoring, rear automatic braking, the whole the whole deal. And, and the thing that really struck me here is I came straight out of the Cadillac Escalade and got into the Acura MDX, and my, my child or my daughter remarked on it too, is how smooth the MDX is, even compared to the Escalade. Uh, Jack, I don't know if you've driven it yet, but have you noticed how smooth the new Acuras are? They really have gone in that direction, haven't they? There used to be kind of a, a sporty feel to the MDX and other Acura SUVs that maybe wasn't right in line with what the customer wanted, because I think they wanted something a, a little uh, easier on their bodies uh, and not quite so sporty. And I think that that's the direction they've turned. They, they seem to have turned in a much more luxurious direction with the most recent MDX. I agree. And it's welcome, though. You know, they say it's their stiffest MDX yet, the chassis that underpins it. And I think, you know, you could definitely tell that and how it handles itself around corners. But on the other side of that, the suspension has been tuned and the tires and the wheels work together to uh, produce a, a very smooth, very comfortable ride, as I said. But uh, on the inside, so this is the advanced model. It's got all the tech goodies that you could possibly want. Uh, a 12-inch, 12.3-inch uh, uh, high-definition center display, a 12.3-inch HD digital cockpit, so digital gauges all the way around. Uh, this vehicle does have a head-up display. It's a 10.5-inch unit. Uh, it displays uh, safety information. It has traffic signs, um, speed limit, all that stuff. So as I mentioned earlier in the in the show, I really think that this is a great way to reduce uh, distraction and keep your eyes on the road. Uh, the challenge that I have is that I wear prescription sunglasses that are polarized, making it hard to see sort of the reflection on the windshield. But once it's positioned right, you can see it with sunglasses on, and I think it's a great touch. But all around in the MDX, um, for the price, this one came at right around $60,000. Uh, it's extremely smooth. It's packed with tech, and it has all the safety equipment I think I would ever want Probably and then some. I end up turning some of them off. They're just so many. So uh, all around a great value, and I don't think that people will overlook it for long if it stays this good. Yeah, very, very good vehicle. I agree with you. And uh, certainly somebody who wants a luxury brand vehicle but doesn't want to uh, pay in, <laughs> in six or seven figures for the thing. And maybe seven figures is an exaggeration. That's called hyperbole. Uh, <laughs> but uh, certainly there are really expensive uh, SUVs out there, even from non-luxury brands. But if you want a luxury brand, I think that's a, a particular value. I think the MDX is a good example of that. Totally agree. And I was struck when uh, I was listening to you talk about the MDX, about the similarities between the 2022 Acura MDX and the 2022 Nissan Pathfinder that I'm about to speak about. Uh, for one thing, both brands skipped the 2021 model year altogether with these particular vehicles uh, just to concentrate on the 2022s. Maybe it's a lucky number or something like that. I'm not quite sure. But um, certainly... Uh, Pathfinder has done that. It also, the engine is almost a clone of uh, what is being offered in the MDX as well, a 3.5 liter V6, a very stalwart engine. But as you know, the Pathfinder has been a perennial favorite among midsize SUVs for years and years and years. It was introduced something about, something like 1987 or so, if memory serves. So you were just a, a kid in diapers, probably, Chris, when that was introduced. Others have come along to uh, maybe steal its thunder a little bit. Uh, among the, the new entries are the Kia Telluride and Hyundai Palisade that are ga gaining a lot of attention. And I, I don't think the people in Nissan uh, took to that very much. <laughs> they want attention for the Pathfinder. So what they want to do is recapture some of the magic of older ones. And some of that had to do with its off-road prowess. And I'll, I'll tell a little bit more about that as we get into this, but the original Pathfinder was really kind of more an off-road machine than, well, e than even the current one is. But uh, one of the things that Nissan does that I kind of like is they don't bowl you over with trim levels. There are four simple trim levels, uh, an entry-level S, 
SV has some more stuff, SL a little more stuff than that, and then kind of the all-in platinum, and those are your choices. They're offered in front drive and four-wheel drive configurations. At least they call it four-wheel drive. Uh, it's not a, four a part-time four-wheel drive, as you would see in, say, a Jeep or a Forerunner or something like that. It doesn't have, the Pathfinder doesn't have a dedicated off-road trim that would match, say, the Jeep Grand Cherokee Trailhawk, but they are trying to uh, enhance the off-road image of this edition of the Pathfinder. At the same time, it has a, a very attractive and luxurious cabin filled with soft-touch materials. I think you, you've got to be a fan of soft-touch materials, aren't you, Chris? Who isn't a fan of soft-touch materials, Jack? <laughs> it's really true. Everybody likes them. Everybody talks about them. And now everybody's getting them. And pretty much every car we talk about, car, truck, or SUV that we talk about has soft-touch materials. Uh, for the first time, the 2022 Pathfinder is an eight-passenger vehicle, at least uh, in standard form. Two bucket seats up front and then two rows of bench seating for three passengers each. Uh, in the top trim, you get a 10-way power adjustable seat with two-way power lumbar support, which I appreciate because I... I like a little lumbar support there. You want your lumbar supported, don't you? Yes, not as much as my wife, though. She cranks it way up. Ah, okay. Well, good to know. Uh, and uh, now we know that about her. Uh, the third <laughs> row is belted for three passengers, but uh, I would say three kids, possibly. Two adults could be reasonably comfortable there for reasonable amounts of time. You know what the third rows are like in these things. But uh, a lot of luggage space, 16.6 cubic feet of cargo area, even with all three uh, rows in use. One of the great things I think about Nissan products uh, is their simple infotainment system. Uh, the Nissan Connect infotainment system in the Pathfinder is uh, you can get an 8 or 9 inch touchscreen, which is reasonably good. And that, those touchscreens are way up front. <laughs> they are up, up close and personal to you in the middle of the dash and kind of jutting over the top of the dash, which some might object to. I found it was uh, very valuable because you, you can make a quick glance to your right as you're driving and there's all that information there. There's a wireless smartphone charging pad uh, near the center console. Are you a, a wireless smartphone charger yourself, Chris? I'm not actually, you know, I think wireless Apple CarPlay is yet to make its its worldwide debut, I guess, in many, many cars. So until every vehicle has wireless Apple CarPlay, I'm still plugging in for the most part. Yeah, I mostly plug in too. And I, I my phone is older, so I don't think it could actually wirelessly charge anyway. I mentioned the engine and I, I should get to it, a 3.5 liter naturally aspirated V6. It's one of the carryover pieces in this thing that's otherwise all new very smooth engine. Uh, the intelligent four-wheel drive, let's talk a bit about that. Not uh, a really dedicated off-road type of four-wheel drive system, but at the same time, we went off-road uh, during the event, and uh, the vehicle did reasonably well in, I say very well, in uh, the stuff that they showed us to do, uh, which was fairly challenging. I'd say the coolest feature in the system is it has a direct coupling that allows torque transfer directly on the clutch pack using oil pressure. So if you're starting from a stop, a standstill, and you're going to, say, rock climb, that's a good thing. Every Pathfinder has a nine-speed automatic transmission and shift-by-wire gear selection. And if you get the uh, intelligent four-wheel drive system, you get uh, mode selection, and the modes are standard, sport, eco, or echo, eco, I think, Snow, sand, mud, and rut, that's one, mud slash rut, and then tow. So you have all that going for you. All in all, I think the uh, 2022 Pathfinder is a winner in all directions. I think it's better than the previous vehicle, which we like pretty much anyway. Uh, very buttoned-up vehicle, right on for its target audience. So I think uh, Nissan is going to sell a ton of them. Going to be priced pretty much like uh, the current Pathfinder. So I think a lot of value there. Obviously, you haven't driven it yet, Chris, but uh, you probably have some thoughts about the new Pathfinder. I do. I think it's great that they've they've moved towards a, a bit more refinement with it. You know, I whether it's off-road capable or not, you know, the, the old Pathfinder was, I mean, I say the old, old Pathfinder, uh, but I'm totally fine with them moving in a more pedestrian uh, direction with the vehicle, even if they continue to give it some light off-road capability. I don't think there's anything wrong with making it. Uh, for lack of a better term, the Nissan uh, version of the Highlander, you know, 
why not have a comfortable three row SUV in your your lineup that's not uh, gigantic like the Armada and not you know somewhat lacking like the Murano. So I think it's a good spot for them, and I, I really can't wait to drive it. I think it looks great. Yeah, it absolutely does look great, and uh, I think you will enjoy it when you drive it. And when we come back, we're going to be taking your listener questions and answering them. Not just taking them, but answering them as well. So uh, with Chris Teague, this is Jack Red. Thanks for being with us on America on the Road. And join us for listener questions when we come back. Welcome back, everybody, to America on the Road. Jack Red with you along with our buddy Chris Teague. And it is listener question time. Okay, it's not really Chris's favorite segment, but I think uh, he does a great job on uh, the listener question segment. We're here to help. That's why we're around at America on the Road, so we'd love to help you out by answering your listener question. If you want to send it to us, you can get it to us at editor at drivingtoday.com. Editor at drivingtoday.com is the place to send your question, and we'll answer it on an upcoming show. And Chris, I think you have a question for us, don't you? I do. This one is from Angela in San Antonio, Texas, who I'm sure is warmer than both of us at the moment. Uh, but she wants to know what are the best thing or, or what should you do right after you've bought a new car? What are the things you should do? Well, there's several things you should do. One is to make certain that the car is registered properly. And, you know, certainly if you're buying a new car, the dealer will help you with that. If you're buying from a private party, it's much more of a uh, confusing maze of things you have to do. And it, it all depends on the state in which you live, too, because each state has its own rules and regulations about titling the car and how you transfer title and what they need in terms of proof of ownership and all of that. But you, you may, must make certain that the car is titled in your name. Of course, if you're buying with an auto loan, it won't be titled in your name initially. The title will go to the finance company and they will hold it until you pay off the loan. That's their little insurance policy about you uh, paying on the vehicle. So that's going on. You should also set up a payment schedule. Uh, A lot of people buy certainly uh, with a car loan that uh, requires a monthly payment, but they don't necessarily get in the swing, or at least initially, of making the payments on time. And it's critical that you do that. Uh, There are several ways to do that now electronically. One of the things you could do is you can set up with your bank a payment that goes directly to the uh, finance company that holds the title on your car, that has your car loan. Uh, That can happen automatically each month. You could also authorize the loan company itself to go into your bank account and take out money every month. I don't necessarily recommend that because it, it might come in a in an instant when you don't exactly want that to go out of your account. But there are certainly uh, important things to think about right after you bought a car, as opposed to uh, just taking off, relaxing, collapsing in your easy chair and going, ah, I did it. Yeah, I think, you know, paperwork is one of the biggest things. Whenever we've bought a new car, and this has happened at with both dealers and the last time I bought a car from an individual, there always seems to be one thing that you forget. So, uh, you know, registering a car here in Maine, you have to make sure that the car has been inspected. Obviously, uh, it's illegal to sell a car that has not been inspected, but you never know. So it's always just important to make sure that you have everything uh, tidied up before you had to register the car. And then once you do, to keep track of the documents after the fact. But I agree with everything else you said. Making certain that the stuff is accurate on the paperwork is also uh, absolutely key. I mean, something like a wrong uh, social security number or just a, the wrong address on the paperwork, and it can cost you in time for years and years and years. Uh, certainly pay attention to all of that stuff right after you, you purchase a new car. Make sure that your car is titled correctly and you're, you're set up for success. Well, here's another question for, for us, and this is from Jody in Mobile, Alabama. She asks, what are great vehicles for driving in the city? You know, we talk about over-the-road cars a lot, but uh, what would you point out as some some great city cars? I have a couple of ones uh, that I really like that are, you know, better for maneuverability and for parking and and fuel economy than almost anything else. So the first is the Nissan Versa. Uh, I think Nissan's done a really good job packaging the vehicle with great equipment, keeping the price low, and it's very small and easy to maneuver. There's always the Toyota Prius, and the Prius is, you know, not the cheapest car you can buy, but... 
at around $24,000 you get a great small car with good fuel economy uh, and a decent list of standard features. Uh, and, of course, on the very small end of the spectrum, there's always uh, the Mitsubishi. I believe it's the uh, Mirage, I think, is the small one that they make. But, you know, you have a lot of choices in this segment. I think that fuel economy and size are probably the two and maybe safety equipment are the three things that I would focus on here as opposed to luxury features like leather and all the things that you would want on long road trips because you're really going to hop in the thing and hop back out on short trips in town. Uh, so you want something that you can park and then also throw some groceries in as well. Absolutely. And I would throw another one in onto the list, and it all is uh, another Nissan vehicle, and it's the Leaf uh, EV, the electric car. Of course, you have to have a place to charge it up, which hopefully, uh, let's say you live in an apartment complex, for example, you might have uh, charging within the garage of that apartment complex. A lot of uh, newer apartment buildings have that now. Uh, so look to that. Uh, the Leaf was uh, on my list of great car buys uh, for June, too. I mean, it, it really has some uh, good stuff going for it in terms of being able to purchase it. And it's particularly good, I think, as an urban car, right? Uh, it has a fairly limited range for even for an electric, but if you're just tooting around the city, it's, it's perfect, and it's perfectly sized. You can get it with 0% financing for up to 72 months with, get this, a $6,000 discount in price. So that's pretty appealing. Or you could lease it for $200 a month uh, for 36 months with uh, $1,100 due at signing. So that's probably a fairly good urban car choice, I think. Absolutely. All right. Well, those are our listener questions for this week. And when we come back, we're going to be talking with Todd Eckert who is the Ford Truck Marketing Manager. Great guy. He's been on the show several times with us. He's very excited about the new Ford Maverick. As we are, I got a chance to sit in it, smell it, you know, push buttons on it. Didn't get a chance to drive it yet, but uh, we will be talking with Todd Eckert about it at length, about 20 minutes in length, uh, when we come back. So stay with us for that with Chris Teague. Jack Nierad with you right here on America on the Road. Welcome back, everybody, to America on the Road. Check you right back with you. And we have an exciting guest talking about an exciting vehicle. I'm really excited about the vehicle. I just had a chance to get a sneak peek at it uh, earlier today. And now I'm going to be talking with Todd Eckert, Truck Group Marketing Manager for Ford. And the vehicle in question is the Ford Maverick. Uh, that's a name that uh, takes me way, way back. Uh, but, uh, Todd, thanks so much for being with us. I appreciate it. No, absolutely, Jack. Thanks for having me. Tell our listeners who have probably seen the uh, the hints about Maverick, but maybe don't know a ton about Maverick, uh, what it's all about, because it's pretty exciting. It, it really is. And yeah, for us, it's, uh, it's always exciting when we can launch an all-new product, and, and that's exactly uh, what we have here with Maverick. It's the 22 model year. It's the all-new Ford Maverick. Um, and really, uh, it's, uh, we, we built it uh, purposely to, to defy expectations. Um, you know, we're really excited about it because uh, it'll actually be America's first standard hybrid pickup. We're targeting the EPA estimated 40 miles per gallon. Um, and, you know, and with all the dependability that, that uh, your listeners would expect from Ford trucks. So um, we're really excited. It's four, uh, four doors, uh, seats five people. Uh, the interior, I think, is going to be surprisingly large for many. Um, and really it features ingenious design throughout, um, customization, um, a flex bed that I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about uh, in terms of uh, the functionality, uh, has standard connectivity as well, and um, outstanding productivity, versatility, maneuverability, um, and I think really um, will challenge the, some, some people's expectations of trucks and the stereotypes around trucks, um, a little bit smaller than a Ranger, uh, more than the compact size, um, but really built for uh, functionality and maneuverability um, for those that are in the city, but also want to get outside of the city as well. Um, and um, uh, in terms of the, our MSRP, it'll actually start below $20,000, $19,995. So um, we think from, uh, you know, the overall proposition of fuel economy, functionality, um, maneuverability, and value, um, uh, we really will uh, have a strong product that I think um, many that maybe didn't consider a truck in the past um, we'll want to give a look to the Maverick. Well, absolutely. And, uh, you know, this is a, a class of truck. Well, in some ways, it's different than any class of truck we've ever seen. And there's mm -hmm. a lot about the configuration that's uh, kind of ingenious, actually. And uh, the platform on which it's based is, is fairly ingenious. But give our listeners a sense of the size of this truck. It is a five-passenger truck. 
it's not tiny, uh, yep. and it's not as big as a Ranger, but g- give them some sense of uh, the size, maybe a, a comparable vehicle. Yeah, so so in terms of dimensions versus a Ranger, it's about, I would say about 11 inches, maybe a, a roughly about a foot, a little bit shorter from a length perspective. It's about four inches, not quite as tall uh, from a height perspective. Um, and in terms of its wheelbase, it's about five inches shorter. But really what you can get there in terms of um, when you think about its overall dimensions, it is unibody based, um, but still very much a built for tough truck going through our built for tough durability and, and uh, testing process. Um, but it'll fit easily in a standard 12 by 20 single car garage. Um, we've lowered because of the unibody design. Uh, it really helps us maximize the interior space and also lowered that step-in height. Um, so it's easier for ingress, egress, and also access to the cargo box. For many uh, individuals and adults, uh, they will be able to easily over the side touch um, into the bed. So we think that all uh, will help from a functionality perspective. And then in terms of the wheelbase and the way we've designed it, the turning radius, about 40 feet curb to curb. So in terms of Thinking about maneuverability and flexibility in tighter spaces, Maverick really hit the mark well. Yeah, I mean, it is a handy size, and uh, it is not a tiny size. Of course, uh, back in the 70s uh, and uh, into the 80s, we had small pickup trucks, and it was a huge part of the market, actually. Uh, They were very, very strong. And we've kind of seen that go away um, and uh, graduate to midsize trucks like the Ranger, for example. Uh, but it, it struck yep. me that there is a place for a vehicle like uh, the Maverick uh, for that size of vehicle because it's just so handy to have a truck bed. Talk a bit about uh, just the handiness of it because there's a lot of things about it that are very handy. Yeah, it's that flexibility and versatility. And really, Jack, that's where it came from as we watched the market and, and um, you know, and looked at customers you know, we saw customers today that are maybe in small utilities or they're in the, you know, a C or a CD uh, type of entry sedan and maybe just struggle with some of the functionality, larger items, you know, whether it's college students going um, to school or people that would be struggling at, at, you know, the Home Depots or things of that nature, because having that pickup bed can be very handy um, and very functional and, and provide that level of flexibility. But I think for some customers, they aren't necessarily looking at a Ranger or a larger size from an F-150 standpoint. So we feel like the size, the package, and the functionality and the bed um, that we bring with the Maverick would really fit those customers well. And so we felt like, you know, they, they maybe have made, had to make trade-offs or compromises today. Um, they want some of that added functionality with the pickup box but really couldn't fit that in terms of the design, the value that they needed, the fuel economy. So that's why when we, you know, we bring um, Maverick that'll have that standard full, uh, hybrid, um, a 2.5 liter Atkinson full hybrid, 40 miles per gallon uh, estimated, um, and that's what we're targeting. And then 500 miles of targeted range in a tank of gas. Um, it, you know, now it starts to get into, and the affordability that we talked about starting under $20,000 MSRP, um, you know, you really now start to get in where they maybe don't have to make that compromise and they get get the functionality um, that they need that that pickup bed will bring. Well, it strikes me there's a lot of innovative technology or at least a, an innovative combination of technology, let's put it that way, in this vehicle in that you're, you're working with a unibody front drive platform. That's unusual for a, a pickup yep. truck. You make it yep. a standard hybrid. That's very unusual for a pickup truck. Talk a bit about how all yep. of this came together. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it was one of those, you know, as we looked at the marketplace, we looked at our, our full-size pickup lineup and with Ranger as well, so our truck lineup overall, we saw that need from a customer, you know, that, that Maverick customer being a little bit younger at heart, more, you know, enthusiastic and very, Jack, as you mentioned, tech savvy. Um, you know, they're, they're diverse in where they live, what they do, who they are, um, but also very creative, maybe making do with less. Um, and so we really felt like, um, bringing together some of those needs. They're looking for functionality, good fuel economy, maneuverability, um, but also a vehicle that gives them some size that fits their family, their friends uh, at a good value. And so for us, when we brought that back to our engineers, understanding who that customer was, and many of which maybe didn't have experience with a pickup truck, really put that to work. And so I think really found the right combination, to your point, um, of making sure that we were providing the things that we need in a truck. So it's got to be built for tough. Um, as I mentioned, it, we've gone through the durability testing, um, similar to what we would do throughout our lineup, 
um, extreme weather off-road for post-testing, approximately all told 19 million miles of customer equivalent miles in durability testing in real-world lab and in the proving ground environments, because um, obviously it's got to be built for tough if we're going to put it on there, um, but also then thinking about the technology um, that this customer would want, making sure that we then also could still stay affordable. So, you know, some of the smart technologies um, that we have in the vehicle, like an 8-inch touchscreen with available Sync 3, uh, also Apple CarPlay and Android Auto capability uh, as well and compatibility, LED headlamps, um, remote start-stop, and then things like our Copilot 360 uh, driver assist features, um, uh, things like uh, pre-collision assist with automatic emergency braking. So, and it was really important for us to kind of get that in, in the right package um, that also would provide that value that our Maverick customer is looking for. That's why we think it's an outstanding extension to our overall truck lineup and to build for Well, I would say it's a startling value at nineteen nine ninety five, right, at, at a starting price. Yeah. Uh, in fact, it, it, I had to chuckle when I saw that price uh, and heard about that price because it took me back to uh, the original Maverick, which I think was nineteen ninety nine. Yeah. Uh, or something like that is its original price. I'm old enough to remember when, when that vehicle was launched, so that tells you a little bit about me. Yeah, I'm not going uh, there, Jack. I'm not. But going there. Uh, you know, was there was there some of old Maverick marketing in that uh, price point? No, not not really. I mean, for us, the, the Maverick name and the reason that we utilized it was more about kind of who this customer is. Um, and, you know, and thinking about, you know, Maverick as a name and, and kind of define expectations. And we really feel like, you know, many of the things that you mentioned, Maverick itself defies maybe, you know, some of the, the stereotypes. It's the right size. Um, it's not, it, 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 you know, in terms of, but also having that uh, standard hybrid, you wouldn't expect that. 40 miles per gallon targeted. Um, so a really strong uh, fuel economy story. And then some of the design elements. And to your point, you know, at that 1995 price point, we're not talking about a stripped down truck or a stripped down product, you know, things like six speakers and air conditioning, keyless entry and power locks, USB ports and our standard Ford Pass Connect wireless modem um, with support for up to 10 devices, our flex bed, which really helps with that functionality. So we really wanted to make sure that that value proposition um, was clear. And we think, you know, we've really delivered that. But really, it was about define those expectations and our customer who is, like I said, kind of they're, they're uh, you know, they work to live, um, they're creative, um, they're makers, they're doers. And so um, maybe a little bit outside of, of the norm. And so we, we felt like that name really fit kind of both our customer um, as we did, did more research and talked to them, but also our products as yeah, well. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, functionality is there. I mean, a couple of the things that uh, jumped out at me is the 1,500 pounds of payload. Uh, even in base yep. trim, it'll tow 2,000 pounds. And if you get the optional engine, I guess it'll tow up to 4,000 pounds. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty stout yep. uh, amount of towing, especially for that kind of platform. Talk a bit about how important that was to you to have that payload and towing ability. Well, I mean, it, you know, it's one of those things, Jack, where even even though we think that a number of these, the, our customers that will be most interested in Maverick may come from other segments, more from car uh, and more from um, uh, from small utilities, maybe having not thought about a pickup in the past, uh, maybe less about uh, downsizing, I think, because, you know, we, we think this is a very different customer than certainly F-150 or even than our Ranger customer, um, but also still very important that a truck has to be a truck, and so you have to have the right level of capability, both from a payload and a towing perspective. And as you mentioned, two engine options. So we have that standard hybrid, um, you know, 191 horsepower, 155 foot-pounds of torque, and as you mentioned, 1,500 pounds of payload. So, uh, you know, good for, for um, you know, taking the loads that they might have from an IKEA or Home Depot or things of that nature in their DIY projects and max towing up to 2,000 pounds. But then we have the ability to option up into our 2.0 liter EcoBoost engine. That's a gas engine uh, with an eight-speed transmission, 250 horsepower, 277 foot-pounds of torque. And that's where our customer, if they want available all-wheel drive, our hybrid is front-wheel drive only. We do have an all-wheel drive option. We have our FX4 off-road package that's available on that optional 2.0 liter EcoBoost gas. And then, as you mentioned, payload again at 1,500 pounds, but with the max towing uh, package on that 2.0 liter gas, 
up to 4,000 pounds of towing. So now you're talking about, you know, a 23-foot pop-up trailer um, and, uh, you know, and certainly, um, you know, with, you know, 37 bags of 40-pound mulch is what you could carry with that 1,500 pounds of payload. So we felt like really the right balance, um, but yet at the same time, still not, not a, a, a lot of overlap with rangers. So um, we have customers who have needs for more towing, more payload. You can move up into ranger, into F-150. And we felt with this customer for Maverick, um, that capability was important, needs to be a truck, but had to be at the right level for what this customer needs and expects. Well, let's talk a, a bit about e- exterior styling, because I think it's important that uh, when I saw the Maverick, mm-hmm. I, I saw a truck. I mean, this is a pickup truck. This looks like a pickup mm-hmm. truck. It doesn't look like some weird cross between yep. a pickup truck and something else or, uh, you know, something else with a with a truck bed grafted on it. Talk a bit about the design yep. philosophy for Maverick. Yeah, and that, and that was important for us. We, we wanted it to be to be different because this customer is a little bit different and, and they don't necessarily want the same styling um, that you know, you'll find in a Ranger or an F-150. But at the same time, through our research and talking to customers, we also know that they, they like many of the same things. They like that planted look. They want it to look like a pickup truck. Um, and I think that's very important for us, even though they're coming from other segments, having that truck look lives, you know, that's the heritage of, of Built for Tough. And we felt was important um, for uh, for Maverick, and, and that was confirmed in the discussions that we had with our customers. Um, but at the same time, um, you know, so we, we put some, uh, you know, that planted look, the grill, uh, in terms of the way that we, we laid it out. I think also having those LED headlamps also says the right thing, talking about technology and kind of a step above. So even at our XL level, XL, XOT, and, and Larry will all have those standard LED headlamps. Um, and then you'll see some reminiscence in terms of the way, not quite the drop-down window um, that we have in our F-Series trucks, but certainly did some things on the door to bring in a little bit of that Ford lineage, um, but at the same time, making sure that it was distinct and lived with the style uh, of who our customer is. Um, and that, of course, goes all the way to the back of the, the uh, to the bed, um, our four-and-a-half-foot box, um, uh, six-foot all the way with the tailgate down, um, but our flex bed down there that gives them tremendous functionality. And then clearly we carry that, um, you know, into the, you know, flex bed. The design was really about understanding our customers uh, and how they're going to use the truck. So within that, that flex bed, you certainly can get the cargo management system, um, you know, as an accessory from Ford, but there's other options as well. Uh, we put um, um, cuts, for example, both on the floor itself, little um, indentations where you could put a two by four for your own bed divider um, or up towards the top of the box where this DIY customer can also put, um, you know, beds so they maybe uh, create a load floor. Um, lots of different DIY opportunities there in the bed. And we really carried that forward into the, to the design of the exterior, to the interior as well. So as you mentioned, seating for five, um, a tremendous amount of room back there in a smaller package, in a more compact package, um, but still important to get five uh, adults back there comfortably, um, both in the front and in the, in the rear seat. It's a standard crew cab, um, so four full-size doors, um, which we thought was important as well. And then just some of the touches, like the eight-inch screen I talked about with the technology, but then also on the doors, um, we've made the, the, bot, the, the uh, you know, typically the cup holder would be smaller. We've actually made it so that you can fit a one-liter bottle in there because we know many of the customers um, will be doing that with their active lifestyle and don't want them bouncing around. And made sure that the materials, um, you know, obviously continue to deliver on our overall value proposition. But, um, you know, as, as we like to say, simple but not cheap. Um, and uh, making sure that, uh, you know, that, that, that interior and that exterior can certainly be something our Maverick customers will be proud of. It does have a, a really interesting, kind of intriguing interior, uh, kind of an interior all its own. Uh, why don't you just describe some of the, the interior? You've talked a bit about some of them, but uh, describe the overall theme of the interior and, and what you were trying to get across there. For us, it really, you know, it was about, you know, as I mentioned, you know, they want simple, not basic, not cheap. And so, you know, we really took that to heart in terms of some of the materials and the colors. Um, so, you know, we wanted to be straightforward, durable, honest, well-built. So that's kind of the materials that we used. It was about function and purpose as well. Um, but, you know, instance, in the, in the interior, ease of cleaning was important because we know our customers would have, um, you know, that active lifestyle. And, but we also wanted to use some unique textures and materials like, you know, reground carbon fiber for strength and visual interest. The dash panel um, has a stone-like finish. Um, so I think provides some intrigue in there as well. Um, you know, like a super durable synthetic countertop. Um, and, you know, we also looked strategically for colors. 
um, pops of blue and different colors that we have depending on the series um, so that it kind of fits also with the functionality but creates maybe more of an energetic space that you really want to be a part of. And then some of the, you know, the functional things as well. Like I mentioned, the 8-inch screen, uh, the clusters that we have, um, uh, depending on the series, um, with our three different series, you can walk through between XL, XLT, and Lariat. Uh, for our XL and, and XLT buyers, that interior is a cloth interior, up, upgrade to Lariat for leather, so there's choices there. And then also some of the, you know, unique things um, that we have, again, in terms of um, we know a bit of a DIY customer um, who's going to make that interior their own. In the rear seat, we have what we call our fit system, which is Ford integrated tethers. And so it's an easy way to adapt different uh, accessories that we might have, like additional cup holders or bag holder or various um, different things. We're also looking at as well, um, potentially um, at some point in the future, putting those designs out there so that you could 3D print your own types of accessories. So um, we want to give the functionality, certainly have options for customers that want to, to buy Ford accessories, but clearly um, opportunities for, uh, for other customers who maybe are a little bit more creative um, to you know make that interior and that exterior and the flex bed their own. Yeah, I think the uh, interesting thing was being able to make it your own with fairly simple kind of things. Like uh, uh, you could make a bike rack, for example. Uh, you know, put a two by four right. in there and and uh, tether it down. And uh, there are places to do that. And uh, you can instead of spending two or three hundred dollars for uh, an accessory type of bike rack, you can make your own for a lot less money. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that's ingenious. And especially, uh, I think, speaks to the ethos, I guess, of, of this kind of customer. Yeah, and it's, it really was the, you know, the, our development team between marketing, design, and engineering, and our, our overall product development really kind of absorbed themselves in who this customer is. And that was clearly in, in the conversations and the observations that we had, kind of studying uh, them and, and kind of living with them. Um, that was one of the unique things about this customer. They're always looking for unique ideas crowdsourcing ways to kind of, you know, improve their lives and, 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 and uh, the things that they have. And, and we felt like with Maverick, it would be no different. And to your point, Jack, we've, we've actually even provided a code, a QRD code uh, in, the, in the flex bed um, where our customer can go in and get some unique ideas around uh, DIY things that they could do like bed dividers or bike racks. And as I mentioned, clearly we have those options for customers that would prefer to, to, uh, to get those accessories through their Ford dealers. Absolutely. But we also give um, you know some ability for creativity and to make that space their own. What are, is the one thing, or, or maybe a couple of things, that you think are really home runs about this vehicle? And it could be anything. But uh, as we kind of sum up here, I, I'm kind of curious as to your thoughts about where you think this vehicle really scores the Ford Maverick. Yeah, I mean, you know, and we've talked a lot about it, but I, I mean, I think for me, you know, it really starts. Starts with you know that uh, that standard hybrid engine, 40 miles per gallon estimated. We think that that's going to be um, you know fit really well for many of our Maverick customers. But we have that all-wheel drive option as well in our EcoBoost. So uh, giving that choice for those customers, some that, that would be interested in the hybrid um, as standard equipment, but others that then would would move up. I also think in terms of some of the technology that we talked about, um, like the eight-inch touchscreen, the connectivity with that embedded modem, the Ford Pass Connect. Uh, embedded modem, I think is really going to be important. I think one of the key things is we also give opportunity for them to bring in their own phones, bring in their own technology. So we have technology in the Maverick itself, but we know that they're also uh, probably the most connected uh, truck customer we've ever seen. So we give them that opportunity as well. So we don't force them into, uh, you know, necessarily certain uh, options from a technology perspective. Uh, we, we, we've attempted to strike that right balance. And then I think the flex bed is going to be, you know, that. We talk about it as a truck, and I think that's very important. And that flex bed, um, that system for organization and for cargo, um, you know, with 12 available anchor points, with two 12-volt, 20-amp pre-wired sources at the back. Um, so, again, there's plates north towards the back end of the tailgate where they can remove and, and tap into the, to the electrical system. Instead of having to, to you know, hack into it, um, we've provided them pre-wired uh, ability to go in there um, and, uh, and do that on their own, um, to hook up their own lighting systems or their own power sources. So, you know, really having that, that bed um, that also with our multi-position tailgate um, pulls down so you could put 18 sheets of 4x8 plywood or other materials in there. So really allows that flexibility and that versatility. Um, and then, of course, that built for tough durability and capability with the, you know, 15,000 pounds of, 
of payload and then either 2,000 pounds um, of max towing on the hybrid, or you can option up to, uh, and the max trailer tow package, 4,000 pounds of towing um, on our EcoBoost engine really, um, you know, gives that great opportunity and the power of choice from our XL, our XLT to our Lariat, but a starting price um, for our XL that starts at $19,995, we think um, really puts a nice bow on, on kind of overall the p- product proposition um, and then an outstanding value story as well. Absolutely. And you squeeze a lot of information into that uh, sum up, so I appreciate that. It's uh, very, very good. To- <laughs> 2022 Ford Maverick, uh, you can tell us, uh, give our listeners who are undoubtedly intrigued by uh, this description, when they can see it in Ford showrooms. Yeah, so you can you can go to FordVehicles.com now and uh, and hand race, and we have a reservation opportunity there as well, and, and uh, get your place in line uh, working with your local Ford dealer. Um, and right now, Maverick will be available in the fall of 2021. So uh, coming out here not not in, in the not-too-distant future. Well, Todd Eckert, uh, Truck Group Marketing Manager for Ford, uh, thanks so much for being with us. It's always a pleasure to talk to you, Todd. I appreciate it. No, and I, I always appreciate talking to you as well, Jack, and, and thank you uh, to you and your listeners as well. We're really excited about the Maverick and really appreciate the opportunity to talk about it a little bit today. Well, terrific, and thank you so much, and uh, stay with us, everybody. We'll be right back right here on America on the Road. And that was our interview with Todd Eckert. He is the truck marketing manager for Ford and very excited about the all-new Maverick pickup truck. I think a lot of people are. Uh, it was supposed to be a secret, and uh, I guess the secret's out, uh, which is good. I think, uh, I think they're going to sell a lot of the Maverick pickup truck. We're always pleased to have with us our co-host, Chris Teague, from the lovely state of Maine, uh, enjoying the onset of summer there, doing some gardening. Just uh, You should be your own uh, real-life show, Chris. I guess this is part of a real-life show that you're on. Uh, but you could have your own reality show. Uh, it sounds like you have an idyllic life there, huh? <laughs> well, I'm not sure too many folks would want to watch me plant tomatoes, but in a few weeks I will bring up a, a YouTube channel that I'm working on. We can talk about that a little bit later on. But I thank everyone for listening. If you like what you heard, please go ahead and hit like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, that will not only make us feel good and give us a good boost to our self-esteem, but it will help us continue growing and uh, bring more people along for the ride while we're at it. We'd love to have people join us. We'd love to have you pass along the show. If you know of someone you think might like America on the Road, two guys talking about cars, uh, please pass it along to them. You might want to check out my book, The GR Factor, Unleashing the Undeniable Power of the Golden Rule. Uh, It's available at bookstores everywhere. Support your local bookshop if you can. And uh, thanks to Mercury for being with us and, and sponsoring America on the Road. Again, thanks to Chris Teague for his stalwart job as co-host. And thanks most of all to you for listening to us. We really do appreciate it. You are why we do what we do. So thanks so much for that. And join us again next time, if you would, for another edition of America on the Road. If you're looking to save some money, you should switch to Mercury for your auto and home insurance. Californians save an average of $670 with Mercury, so imagine how much you could save. Get a quote today at mercuryinsurance.com.